0: You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravenswire, and we return on a Thursday episode here of the show. What is free agency Thursday, as we call it here on Locked on Ravens, and that will not change today, but I want to kind of get into more of a general look at free agency. I think that over the past few weeks, we've kind of gotten away and talked about the combine and talked about, you know, cap casualties and potential free agent options for Baltimore and who the Ravens should sign, who they shouldn't sign. Well, I want to take a look at some players just in the general scope of things, because the landscape has shifted quite a bit ever since we first started Free Agency Thursday. And so just to take a step back for today, just a free agency preview, a general free agency preview. And why do I want to do that? Free agency is right around the corner. It's easy to forget who was available. It's easy to forget who the Ravens should go after, shouldn't go after. So we're just going to structure it like a regular Free Agency Thursday, talking about the offense in the second segment, who are potential targets, some new options who will become available. And then do the same thing with the defense in the third segment. But in the first segment, I kind of want to get into something that Spencer and I talked about yesterday, and that is the franchise tag situation. Now, this is a situation that everybody has been monitoring across the league. It's not just Ravens fans. It's not just the Ravens. Every team has the opportunity to use their tag. Now, does every team use it? No. But Baltimore usually doesn't use the franchise tag. And so the news that Matthew Judon will likely be franchise tag for Baltimore That's a big deal. And so I kind of want to elaborate and go into more detail than Spencer and I did yesterday and talk about is this the right move? Is this a good move? Is this a move that the Ravens will have ramifications for if it doesn't pan out? Are there ramifications for doing so? So, a ton of stuff to get into. Also, just talking about the franchise tag market in general, just like Spencer and I did a bit yesterday. So, so, a lot to talk about, but we're going to get through it. Let's get right into it. But before I do that, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, everywhere there's a podcast, we're there Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time is when our content is out. Be sure to subscribe to us. so You know when our content is out, so you can listen to it right away. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Ravens and my personal account at KAwstriker. 34, a repeated message, but for good measure, I just want to make sure everybody knows where the content is, but with the maintenance out of the way, let's talk franchise tag, and let's, again, let's preface this by saying the news of, I guess, the last couple weeks for Baltimore is the fact that the Ravens do plan to use their franchise tag on outside linebacker, edge defender, Matthew Judon. And again, like I mentioned, a big development for Baltimore as they really don't use their franchise tag very often. It's rare for Baltimore to use their franchise tag. They like to lock guys up to long term extensions, and that hasn't changed, especially as Eric DaCosta's tenure as general manager has kind of taken shape and taken form. Chuck Clark getting in an extension, LJ Fort, Patrick Ricard, Tavon Young, so many guys, Marcus Peters even. So many guys have been getting extensions for their level of play, and here's to say that Matthew Judon, I'm just going to say it, Matthew Judon was a good player for Baltimore. He was the life of their pass rush, and the issue and where people kind of are torn on Matthew Judon is the fact that, yes, he is a good player, but is he a great-slash-elite player? And I don't think he is at this point in time, and that's where there's, there are discrepancies in saying, well, why are you going to give a guy $16 million if he's good, not great? Why are you going to give a guy $19 million over five years if he's good, not great? Well, Zedarius Smith, it was kind of the same issue. Now, Zedarius Smith had an amazing contract year, made the most of his opportunities, signed that huge deal with Green Bay, and earned every penny of it. It's arguable that the was actually got a steal despite signing him to over $60 million worth of money. For Matthew Judon, the situation is a little bit different because, yes, he had nine and a half sacks in 2019. That was his best season in a Ravens uniform. But you look in 2018, he had seven sacks. In 2017, he had eight sacks. In 2016, he had four sacks. 2016 was his rookie season. It's hard to give money to a player who has not constantly improved production. And let me rephrase. It's easy to give money to a guy who hasn't constantly improved production if you get him at the right price. With the way the edge market is shaping up this year... It would be impossible to retain Matthew Judon on a price that works for Baltimore, especially with the holes that are currently on the roster. I mean, there's Edge, which Matthew Judon plays, but you have inside linebacker, you have wide receiver. There there are a lot of needs. If Marshall Yonder retires, you have interior offensive line. Now, yes, the draft is there, and the Ravens can kind of formulate their strategies for both free agency and the draft, more specifically the draft. Once free agency is over, you say, all right, we franchise tag Matthew Judon, we signed a receiver, now we can focus on inside linebacker and interior offensive line. But for the Ravens, how much money do they really want to give a guy who hasn't increased, hasn't had significant increase in production Over his time. Now, four sacks to eight sacks, that's pretty significant. He really has been a good pass rusher for three seasons now. But then he goes back down to seven in 2018, then up to 9.5 in 2019. And let me also say, The Matthew Judon's sole purpose on the Ravens is not to rush the passer. He does a lot of things well. His value does not just come from rushing the passer. He can also defend the run well. He can set the edge well. He can drop back into coverage. There is value, and there should be a market. Matthew Judon deserves every penny of a contract that he gets, whether it's big, whether it's small. But the Ravens' situation here is they need something on the edge. They need a free agent on the edge, someone who is proven, someone who can who was proven they can get the job done if they go into the season with a first round pick who isn't that proven like if it's not clavon chasen if it's not chase young if it's not even aj epinesa if they go into the season with let's say two gross matos is their first round pick jalen ferguson and tyus bowser is their three options not good not good they don't have the experience and it just wouldn't be a good situation matthew judon has proven something and with the rest of the franchise tag market developing, is Shaq Barrett's most likely going to get tagged? Bud Dupree is going to get tagged. Chris Jones, who is an interior pass rush option, is going to get tagged. You're really looking at three potential options: Jadavian Clowney from the Seahawks, Robert Quinn from the Cowboys, and even like Jason Pierre-Paul from the Buccaneers. Are you going to spend $60 million on Matthew Judon for one year? Or are you going to give $22 million to Jadavian Clowney? Or are you going to give $17 million to Robert Quinn over five years? The thing with Matthew Judon is I believe the franchise tag, the more I've kind of had to think about it, would not be the worst move for Baltimore because, first of all, you have $20 million of Marcus Peters' cap hit. Coming in this year one. That's why the Ravens had lost so much of their leverage with cap space. Marcus Peters, the Ravens front loaded that contract, something you don't do very often. You don't see, at least, you don't see the Ravens do very often. Once Marcus Peters' big cap hit comes off the books, if Matthew Judon's production in 2020, if the Ravens don't franchise him, if that isn't up to par, then you can say, all right, well, we gave you the extra year, we gave you the $60 million, and production didn't increase. We're not going to offer you more than that. If his production did increase and he takes as a Darius Smith type leap, now you have the option to say, all right, you proved yourself on the one year deal. Here's some more money because now we know that the production can increase and you have become a better player. Again, not to say he's not a good one. But the Ravens with the franchise tag, it's not giving them leverage, but it's giving them options. Another option on the deal is to franchise tag him and then trade him, the tag and trade, which Spencer and I talked about yesterday. That is also a pretty good option for Baltimore. It's honestly the one I prefer, but that really only happens if the Ravens sign Jadivian Clowney. At this point, for the Ravens, I think they're thinking that, yeah, all these players are getting franchise tag him, even Yannick Ngakwe. And his asking price was astronomical. There was no way they were meeting him at $22 million, but... $60 million for a pass rusher and a pass rusher who has Matthew Judon's production, yeah, it's not the best thing in the world, but it's also not the worst, especially when you have the ability to not be tied to him if his production goes down or if he gets injured and sits out the whole year, right? Then the stock goes down too. It gives you options. Then the Marcus Peters cap hit comes off the book. And Marshall Yanda's cap hit probably is gone then too because he retires. And I think that if Marshall Yanda does play one more year, it is this year is his last. This upcoming year is his last. So you have more money and you can go out and sign people in free agency that year. Plus have the money to go after a pass rusher and even have a first round pass rusher. Say the Ravens go into the season with Judon and then they do pick Gross Matos, and they have Jalen Ferguson, they have Ty Spouser. That young duo of ferguson and bowser plus you goes matos yeah you can let judon walk and you know hopefully at the end of next year all three of those guys will have matured and become better football players so it's kind of a contingency option i wouldn't call it a stopgap option but the hope would be for judon to increase on his production go up to an 11 12 sack guy and then you can say yeah matthew judon you deserve 22 million dollars because you showed that in your contract year again, you can put up numbers and you can improve on production. So I think that the franchise tag for Judon, it's not the ideal scenario for Baltimore, but I do believe that the Ravens' two options are just to wait it out. They obviously want to sign him to a long-term deal. It's obviously just if the money is right. And right now, I don't think it is. I think if you sign him to a $14, $15 million deal, then you're kind of talking with the three, four years. But 16, 17, 18, I don't think he's there yet. And When you look at Judon and what he's brought to Baltimore, he's familiar with this game, he's a value, he's an asset to the Ravens, and I don't think they want to let that go. So that's why the Ravens are in this position, that's why the Ravens are going to franchise tag him, and then it's just a matter of are they going to tag and trade him, are they going to wait it out on the one-year deal, or are they going to try to sign him to that long-term extension and try to make the money work for both sides. We are going to head to our first break now. When we get back, we're going to be talking about the offense, a mini free agency preview, a general one of the offense. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of this Thursday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostrecker is still with you and we just got into the franchise tag situation as free agency approaches. The free agency period starts next week. But now let's get into the offense, a general preview of the offensive targets that could be targets for the Ravens, and I want to talk about two players here. Someone who I talked about a lot in like December, January, but then I found out his asking price, but apparently... His asking price could go way down because his market is not strong. And then, secondly, a guy who I predicted was going to be on the, I guess, quote unquote buyout market, the cut market, but he is most likely not expected back with his current team. He's most likely going to be released. So, another option for Baltimore. And we'll also get into another guy, too. But first, I want to start with Robbie Anderson, the receiver for the New York Jets. He's been in the league for four years. And ever since coming into the league, has really been a serviceable wide receiver before really blossoming into his own. Starting after his rookie season in 2017, he has over 3,000 yards receiving in his four years, 20 touchdowns. Last season, 52 receptions, 779 yards, and five touchdowns. And Robbie Anderson, for me, in this offense, I just think he'd be unstoppable. He has speed. He has really good hands and him next to Hollywood Brown, I don't know. I would just love it. I know some people aren't on board, but I am on the Robbie Anderson train. Now, the thing that took me off the Robbie Anderson train was, in fact, his price. He was asking for upwards of $10 million a year, and for me, I don't know if Robbie Anderson is worth that to me, and maybe he is to another team. He could be very valuable, and he should be very valuable on multiple NFL teams, but for Baltimore, I'm not signing Robbie Anderson unless it's for $9 million at the very max. I could sign him to a three-year, $24 million deal, a three-year, $27 million deal. But when you're talking about three for 30, three for 33, even when you're talking about, I don't know, four for 40, that's a little bit iffy for me. And, you know, Robbie Anderson, there's no denying that, look, he's going to be a really good player in the NFL for some team. It doesn't matter if it's the Jets. It doesn't matter if it's the Patriots, the Ravens. He brings a lot to a team. And when you look at Robbie Anderson, you look at his production with the Jets, who are an organization who have not had very strong quarterback play over the last few years. You can say what you want about Sam Darnold and, and Josh McCown and the like, but I think that he'd be a really good fit in the Ravens' offense. Now, you also have to look at the fact that he would cost the Ravens a compensatory pick in that formula. And we know how much Baltimore does value those compensatory picks, so I'm not going to speak on, you know, if the Ravens would look at that as a potential option to not sign a good football player, I don't think it goes that far. But with Robbie Anderson, you have a young guy, you have someone who is just hitting the peak. I mean, he's only 26 right now, he's 6'3", 190 pounds, so he's a bigger target, a little bit slender, but... He's a guy who can go up, catch the football. I mentioned his speed. I mentioned his hands. I just think an overall very good and a very solid option for Baltimore where, look, AJ Green is off the market. He is franchise tagged, or at least the rumor is he's going to be franchise tagged by the Bengals. Amari Cooper is going to be asking for much more than $15 million per year. And Emmanuel Sanders, he's a guy I would like on the Ravens. I think that you know my top two targets are Robbie Anderson if the price is right and Emmanuel Sanders if the price is right. Now, those guys, I'm taking at eight, $9 million deals, but I think Robbie Anderson, if you're talking about you can only have one and they're the same price, he's my guy because he is younger, he is taller than Emmanuel Sanders, and I think he'd be a better fit in the offense. Not to say that Emmanuel Sanders wouldn't work great with Lamar Jackson, but I think he would be the guy for Baltimore. I mean, his best year was in 2017, where he had 941 yards and seven touchdowns. He can put together the production. It's just a matter of whether... The Ravens can sign him for a price that that makes sense for the team. Another guy I want to talk about, and he is not a free agent yet. There are rumors that he could be a free agent. That is Sammy Watkins. Now, the first thing that comes to mind when you think Sammy Watkins is injuries. He has never been able to stay healthy. It seems like he's injured every single season. But when he's healthy, in my opinion, he is one of the best route runners in the league. He is one of the more underrated receivers in football. Last year for the Chiefs, 52 receptions for 673 yards and three touchdowns. You talk about speed, you talk about crisp route running. He has had some issues with drops in recent years. But I mean, another guy, Sammy Watkins is 26 years old. He'll turn 27 in a few months. He went to Clemson. He is very well known around the league just for his ability to go up, pinpoint the football, make really nice catches. I mean, yes, he's had issues with drops, but he can make contested catches. A guy who wouldn't cost the Ravens a compensatory pick in that formula. So, I mean, that's a bonus, right? I think it would be a good fit. And now, who would I rather have, Robbie Anderson or Sammy Watkins? That's pretty close for me, but I'll probably say Robbie Anderson if they're coming in at the same price. Yes, I would sacrifice that compensatory pick in the formula, The Ravens most likely aren't going to have that many compensatory picks in next year's draft just because I think the only guy who I can see them getting a pick for, or at least a decent pick for, would be Michael Pierce. I don't think Judon is going to reach that far in free agency. I do think Michael Pierce leaves, but... I don't think you're getting a high pick for Jimmy Smith. I mean, Pernell McPhee, I don't think there's really anybody who will give you that high compensatory pick. So the Ravens probably shouldn't have anything to lose by signing guys who were working against that formula. So it would be interesting to see if Baltimore takes that into account. But right now, in terms of the receiver group, I'm probably taking Robbie Anderson over Sammy Watkins just because, I mean, look, they're both right around the same age. But in the end, I think Robbie Anderson is just the better football player at this point. But moving on to another guy I want to talk about in the offense. I talked about Hayden Hurst and those trade rumors going on. and, And a little while ago, I talked about the buyout market and I talked about a tight end, Jimmy Graham. And it's an interesting proposition because, look, if the Ravens trade Hayden Hurst for a first-round pick for a second-round pick, they will need a third tight end because their offense does rely on the three-tight end set. Jimmy Graham is an interesting player. Has not had nearly the production that he had when he was in New Orleans. Seattle and Green Bay for him were interesting, not great stops. Had a down year for New Orleans. His worst season as a pro dating back to his rookie year. He only had 38 receptions for 447 yards and three touchdowns. I don't. The trade off between Jimmy Graham and Hayden Hurst, Hayden Hurst is a little bit older. If you can get a first round pick for Hayden Hurst and then go sign Jimmy Graham, I will take that. I will take that trade off. If you can get a second round and a fourth round for Hayden Hurst and sign Jimmy Graham, I will take that as well. Now, again, I'm probably not trading Hayden Hurst unless it's at least a second and a fourth. A second round pick probably doesn't do it for me, but. Overall, Jimmy Graham I, just needs to be in the right system. The Ravens heavily favor tight ends, and while Aaron Rodgers didn't have necessarily the best wide receiver group to throw to, I think that Jimmy Graham would thrive in Baltimore's system because, again, the ball is spread out, so it's not like he'd have the best statistical year, but he's a former basketball player. He can jump and can pinpoint red zone football as he extends throwing windows. I think he'd be a phenomenal player asset to Baltimore and just what they want to do on offense but again this really only happens if the Ravens do trade Hurst away which at this point that it's such a mystery at this point again I don't think the Ravens do it but if that were to be a scenario Jimmy Graham most likely not going to be back with Green Bay so a guy who I could see Baltimore going after if that card was to be pulled by Baltimore by that I mean the Hayden Hurst being traded card but I think Again, Jimmy Graham would be a nice fit in the offense. He could do a lot of things that Hayden Hurst can do. Now, Hayden Hurst is a very balanced tight end. He does multiple things well. But again, if you can get value for him and he's a little bit older and you know he had that little foot injury at the start of his career, not saying that that's lingering anymore, but I think Jimmy Graham could be the nice backup option if Hayden Hurst were to leave by trade. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we get back, we're going to be talking about the defense, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Thursday edition of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker with you here, and we got into the offense of our free agency preview now with free agency just on the horizon It's time to talk about the defense. And again, there are two players I kind of want to get into. We already talked about the edge players. We know who's available. We know what it would mean. We know who the Ravens could re-sign. But now I want to get into the interior defensive line and the inside linebackers because we've heard so much about the Ravens draft prospects who they could potentially take in the first round, in the middle rounds, in the later rounds at those positions. But we haven't heard a ton about some potential Ravens targets. Now for the interior defensive line, Chris Jones was the ultimate prize. He was my top free agent. He was the guy that I wanted the Ravens to sign, not no matter the price, but I would have been willing to throw a lot of money at him. Now, the Chiefs franchise tagged him. Obviously, they view him as a very big part of their future. I mean, as would I if I were the Kansas City Chiefs, so he is now off the market. For the Ravens, I can see them going after a Javon Hargrave, a player that Spencer talked about a lot, and a guy that Spencer really likes, and I looked into his tape, I looked into what he did in college, and I looked into what he did with the Steelers, and he checks a lot of boxes for the Ravens. Now, in his career, Hargrave has 14.5 sacks. He has 168 total tackles, and what Hargrave does really well is just use his pure strength. He's hard-charging. He has really thick legs, but... He also has quickness from a defensive tackle that you don't expect from somebody who is of his stature. He's 6'2", 305 pounds, only 27 years old, and he's someone who you have Michael Pierce who does a lot of the same things that Brandon Williams does. It would be so nice to get Michael Pierce back in a Ravens uniform, but I just don't think it happens, and for that reason that I just mentioned. He does so much of what Brandon Williams does. He was able to get pressure on the quarterback, but just wasn't quick enough to bring the quarterback down. Hargrave displays a ton of athleticism, a ton of quickness, and he could probably be had for, I don't know what you're going to pay Michael Pierce to be that really run-stuffing defensive tackle. I can see him going to a team like the Broncos or one of those teams. I mean, the Ravens also could have interest in defensive end Derek Wolf, who can generate pressure from the inside as well. But I think Hargrave, would be the guy for Baltimore if they were going to kind of use their medium to big spendings on an interior defensive lineman because there's really only one type of interior defensive lineman that you're looking for if you're Baltimore and that is of the Javon Hargrave type and by that I mean a big guy who displays a lot of agility, displays a lot of quickness, but most importantly can get to that quarterback and that is the ultimate goal for this Ravens team is generate more pressure get the quarterback down more often and develop a pass rush that can really mesh well with the secondary provide a hand in hand force with that elite secondary so the pass rush doesn't have to be elite it doesn't have to be generating a pressure on every single play but we talked about it so much during the season the ravens when they generally rushed four players did not generate a lot of pressure that was an issue that was something that needs to be cleaned up in the off season and look Sometimes you're not going to generate pressure with four guys. You're rushing four guys against five offensive linemen. It's just not possible. But for the amount of times it seemed like every time the Ravens got pressure, it was on a blitz of six or more guys. I mean, it was it was rough to see sometimes. And So if you can get guys on the edge, like you bring back Judon, you bring in a round one or two edge rusher, and then you sign a Hargrave, that's a pretty good coup for the Ravens in terms of the defensive line because you still have your secondary intact. We're able to rush the quarterback, rush him into some throws that he probably doesn't want to be throwing and, you know, you, saw, I'll say against the Cleveland Browns, right? Baker Mayfield had all day to throw the football and in, in the first game in particular. In the second game, it was a little better. But even so, it just seemed like quarterbacks were sitting in the pocket for four or five, six seconds. And one of the number one rules of football is if you give the quarterback too much time, he will find the open receiver. There, is, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So you have to be cautious with, you know, the amount of Players, you blitz because you can't leave guys one-on-one for so long, but if you can only rush four, if you can only rush five and generate a solid amount of pressure on a solid amount of snaps, that's the formula for success for this Ravens team. So I can see them going after a Javon Hargrave. Other than that, I mean, if the Ravens do want to go with a round one interior defensive lineman, I mean, you can look at Ross Blacklock, you can look at Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, if he miraculously somehow slips out of the top 10 that would be crazy, but a Derrick Brown type player. So many guys you could look at. That could be an option. The Ravens don't have to sign a Javon Hargrave, per se. Maybe they bring back Domota Pecco to stop the run, and then that's that. But I think the Ravens will address their interior defensive line early. I think that they understand that Michael Pierce is most likely going to leave in free agency, not because he doesn't want to be back in Baltimore, but just because he's just not needed, unfortunately. He's been such a good bargain after coming out of Samford undrafted. He's provided so much on the defensive line, provided injury relief when Brandon Williams was out. I mean, so many things, but I just don't think the fit is right for the Ravens anymore. The second guy who I want to talk about is Joe Shobert, the pending free agent linebacker from the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are not going to bring him back. That is all but confirmed, but he's asking for, it looks like upwards of $10 million a year. I'm Joe Shobert is a good player. He had 133 combined tackles last season for the Browns in 2019, four interceptions, two sacks. I mean, he's had three straight seasons with over 100 total tackles. He had his best season in 2017 when he had 144 tackles and three sacks, also had an interception. But Joe Schobert's play, even though he had 133 tackles, his play declined, wasn't as good in coverage as in recent years. I think he's a good player, but I think $10 million is really my top max contract that I'm giving him. I might go 11, but it just depends on where the Ravens determine they need an inside linebacker. Where do they want to spend? Do they want to spend that high first round pick and say, hey, we're going to take Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen at 28, or are we going to say, hey, we're going to get one of the best middle linebackers in the free agency class and sign Joe Sherbert to a deal? I think I would not be mad if the Ravens ended up spending money on Joe At The Ravens, I would like them to go with their three-linebacker rotation that they've been doing for so long now, and it has worked to perfection. I mean, you have LJ Ford already in there, but I do believe it's going to be. The Ravens are going to draft somebody, they're going to bring in a young guy for the draft, and then they're going to sign a veteran. And I don't know if that means they're going to draft the Kenneth Murray or the Patrick Queen and then bring back Josh Bynes, because Josh Bynes played pretty well for Baltimore, all things considered. Or if it's going to be they're going to sign a Joe Schobert to a decently big contract and then... Draft a Shaq Quarterman in the later, the mid to later round. So, a lot of stuff to digest for Baltimore in free agency, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because you have the edge rusher dilemma, you have the inside linebacker dilemma, and you have the interior defensive line dilemma. Plus, are you going to bring in a safety because Tony Jefferson is gone? Are you going to try to sign Jimmy Smith? If not, are you going to bring in another cornerback? Are you going to bring back Brandon Carr? Right? There's so many different options. Baltimore has a lot to think about on both sides of the ball, but on defense in particular. So it's going to be interesting what they decide to do and ultimately how their team shapes up after these first few days of free agency next week. That is all I have for you today. But when we get back tomorrow, Matthew Stevens will be joining us on the show to talk more Ravens football. So stay tuned for that and I will see you tomorrow.